the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Sitting in for CFP Certified Financial Planner, Chad Burton. I've known Chad for... 20 plus years. I'm Rob Black, host of Rob Black and Your Money. We do very different types of shows, so bear with me as I am not his full-time replacement, but I sit in for him when he's got other duties that call. I have a lot of good content ready for you today. A little bit different than what I typically try to do. I think Chad is more of a um, bullet shot in financial planning. Very, very smart. Whereas I'm a little bit more big picture. Hope as a public health tool. That was a big headline in the New York Times last week. It's really quite an interesting phrase. Hope as a public health tool. Let me give you where I come from on this. Hope only belongs in churches and on football fields. I hope that when I die, I go to heaven. And I hope that the San Francisco 49ers win a Super Bowl. Knowing that, I can't quite figure out the answers to either of those on my own. I'm not a big 49ers fan. But I'm kind of saying that as an example. If that makes any sense to you. Hope is very powerful. And I've been using that phrase, hope only belongs. It doesn't belong in the stock market. Financial analysis does. But last week was a big headlines in the New York Times. It seems to be an apt description of the current U.S. environment. There's a lot of hope elsewhere, all around the markets these days, all around the economy. We have a very large fiscal stimulus. At the same time, we're seeing reopenings take place. Again, I live in Northern California in the Bay Area. It is very different than Vancouver, Washington, which is very different than what we're seeing in Dallas, Texas. Very different than Washington, D.C., Florida, and Miami. It's one of the more interesting things about America is how big it is and how the states have different flavors and tones. The U.S. is playing a whole new ball game in terms of controlling the coronavirus now that variants are spreading across the country. There are risks. But $1.9 trillion in fiscal stimulus with the distribution of those funds beginning in March, i.e. very quickly. It's not $1.9 trillion in stimulus over 10 years. It's $1.9 trillion beginning now. U.S. mobility measures are already increasing. I'll be honest with you. I kind of long to get back to the gym. I'm not a gym rat. I'm not one of those guys who goes and uh, power lifts for a couple of hours. I don't even know what a power lift is. But I kind of like the idea of getting a little sweat going because 
I thought about it. I don't think I've broken a sweat really much during the pandemic, and that can't be good. So I want to get out there. I've got a local gym that I'll be contacting probably later today about starting back up in about two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. My spouse got her first shot. Kids are getting ready to go back to school. I think I'll probably get a shot probably in four to six weeks. So I'm hoping this all goes well. I'm still not taking too many risks. I'm still being very controlled and intelligent about it. But first quarter GDP estimates could be 10% year over year. Wow. GDP is somewhere typically between 2 and 4%. And I'll be honest with you. I've, I look at that very Goldilocksian. 4% is a little bit too hot. 2% is a little bit too cold. 3% is just right. This is going to be kind of a catch-up. It makes up for some of the tightness we've had. But also, on top of that $1.9 trillion stimulus, we've got a couple trillion dollars that you Americans have saved just in case the pandemic turned into something even worse. So in a worst-case scenario, I think the market does go through a correction again. I didn't say bear market. This time last year, the market went through a 30% dump in 22 days. I've never seen anything like it. It sounds like a pop song lyric. It was like a full force gale, an American storm. It was nuts. I'm kind of glad it happened. It got some weak hands out of the party, which I'm okay with. It got people thinking seriously about like, whoa, you can lose money in this, this thing called the stock market. One of the biggest mistakes I ever made was selling a stock too early for a tax loss, only to watch it go up 5,000%. I had the right idea. I wasn't patient. I got shooken out. I had weak hands in the, in the investment. I just sold it a little too early. I didn't, I wasn't patient. Monetary policymakers are still pushing back on concerns about inflations and bubbles. Every now and then you'll you'll hear someone like Jerome Powell, Janet Yellen say, Bitcoin looks like a bubble. Are they right or wrong? Doesn't matter. They're trying to help everyone out by saying, think twice before you jump in. It shouldn't be this easy. Job openings are back to where they were pre-pandemic. Fed is viewing underlying inflation dynamics as slow moving and global in nature and not necessarily something that they need to be in front of. Some Federal Reserves try to get in front of inflation. Some try to watch the data month to month. Some try to uh, see if the economic recovery is going to take hold on its own. What we don't really want to do is be in a situation where we need to create more jobs again this time next year. If you've been in the market, you're going to probably hear comparisons to the Roaring Twenties. Um, when you see where we are with energy, what a year energy's had. It's one of the biggest winners. And last week, it was one of the biggest losers. 
for the year, winner. For the week, loser. For the quarter, winner, winner. Like, you can kind of lose perspective here depending on what your focus is. Continue to listen to shows like CFP Chad Burton's New Focus on Wealth. He does the show Tuesdays and Wednesdays. That's about all you need, in my opinion. I'm glad that he's taking that metered approach. I don't think you need to hear financial planning insights every single day. On occasion, I think you need a break. Sentiment rose in the United States to the highest level in a year. That sounds about right. Small businesses are watching for a rebound. Again, trying to compare ourselves to where we were last year at this time. Still a little bit underneath as far as small businesses go. Job openings have returned to pre-pandemic trends. You are starting to see small businesses and large businesses say, we're going to spend a lot of money. Capital expenditures, CapEx. So that idea of spending money, you have to spend money to make money. It's one of the underpinnings of our economy. Intel came out last night and said, we're going to spend billions of dollars making factories in the United States because we have a president and a Congress who wants semiconductors made in the United States. There's this tension with China. And I think there's a backdrop of we're a little bit worried that China gets aggressive. And if they moved in on Japan or what have you, it could create a disruption in the supply chain. Find me online at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I try to bring a different approach to the same problems they're trying to solve, but I try to do it infotainment-wise. One of the things I can tell you is that when you're in the, in the money industry, you're always thinking about, how does that relate to money? And a great example is the Olympics. I can't help but wonder, why are the Olympics going on? And my number one answer comes back down to, is it to build a legacy for society? Is it about national pride? No. It's all about the money, the do-re-mi. From the moment that Japan pitched to host the 2020 Olympic Games, its organizers have framed it as a symbol of recovery from a decades-long economic slump for Japan, from a devastating earthquake, from a tsunami and nuclear disaster. And now it's from a postponement of one year from a crippling pandemic. First thing I think of when I think Olympics, we all have different emotions. I, I go back to USA, USA. Maybe you go back to 1976, Bruce Jenner in Montreal, who flash forward 30 years, 40 years is now Caitlyn Jenner. And you're like, huh. Didn't see that one coming. He was on a Wheaties box. Maybe your thought of the Olympics is Michael Phelps, the human poipice. I got to speak behind Michael Phelps' mother once at an investor conference. And uh, she's like, you know why Michael Phelps was good? Because he had a heart of a champion. And I was like, you know why Michael Phelps was great? Because you throw him in the water for 12,000 hours as a child and he turned into a, a, a fish. But that's just me. 
<laughs> and let's give Michael Phelps some credit right here, right now, and say he's done a lot for mental health issues, which maybe that's his biggest accomplishment. Um, he suffers from some mental health issues, and he openly talks about it. But now I'm totally digressing, and that's not why you're listening to the show. One of the reasons you're listening to the show is for investment ideas, for money ideas. Um, I, I'm a sucker for all this, just so you know, in case you haven't figured that out. Comcast comes to my mind. What will I be doing later this summer? There's a pretty good chance I'm going to be watching some Olympics. Don't know what, don't know why. The Olympics seem a little bit cursed right now. A Brazilian surfer got struck by lightning practicing for the Olympics. And you're like, wait, wait, wait. Is surfing an Olympic sport? Oh, yes, it is. Golf is now an Olympic sport. I think that's kind of fun. I'm not a surfer or a golfer, but I may tune in just to see what professional surfing looks like. Or Olympic surfing. It always kind of, when the winter games started coming uh, more snowboarding and, and boarding, it was always fun to watch the Winter Olympics because instead of seeing a, a guy who can ski cross country from Germany, pull out a rifle off his back, bling, 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 hit five dead bull eye, bullseyes, that's very boring to me. But to see us, a snowboarder land a 720 or a 1080, you're like, whoa, I can't do that. And he's like, yeah, man, here's a radical, it's bodacious. Out there. <laughs> like, that's not exactly the U.S. pride I want on display, but let's go with it. So this summer, the Olympics are coming back. Comcast stock rose 32% in 2019. A lot of people think that was because they had the Olympics coming up. The biggest U.S. cable TV company, Comcast, owns media from NBC Universal and UK-based Sky. Comcast high-speed internet services to homes and businesses remain its biggest growth driver despite two big acquisitions. So the front of my brain says, you're going to watch the Olympics this year. The back of my brain says, why not invest in it? Maybe. I'm not telling you to go out and buy Comcast. I will say that something I found fascinating was 2019, we were excited about the stock in large part because of the upcoming Olympics and they got postponed. So why not get excited about it again? That's a very naive way of approaching investing, but I, I think you could relate to it. Last year, pandemic, I was on a Zoom call. My kid was on a Zoom call. My other kid was on a Zoom call. My wife was on a Zoom call. We're all on Zoom call, Zoom call, Zoom call, Zoom, Zoom, Zoom. Crazy story out of LA. A woman was talking to her friend on a Zoom call yesterday. And one of the two women witnessed in the background a knife stabbing. And then the knife perpetrator comes in and kills her friend, stabs her to death, all while the Zoom call is still going. That's crazy. That's 21st century pandemic Zoom murder mystery. Whoa. Of course, she calls 911, but by the time the police got there, both victims were dead. But back to Zoom. Everyone in my household, I even think my dog, 0110110, was on a Zoom call at some point in time. Bandwidth, 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 bandwidth. To the point that at 9 o'clock in the mornings, I can tell people are getting on Zoom calls. The internet from 9 to 9.30 is useless in my neighborhood. Not really, but you could see some performance issues. 
I have a second home up in the mountains and a lot of people from Bay Area moved up to the mountains during the pandemic. Why not? Cheaper lifestyle, more spread out. Instead of, you know, coughing over the, over the fence, getting your neighbor sick, people are like, yeah, it's spread out. But over that last year, the lo- local residents got really, really angry because the internet started to suffer. Funny, right? So Comcast raised prices at the end of last year saying, you know, hey, we get the data limits. We were good. We did what the government wanted us to. The little girl who was poor, who had to sit outside Taco Bell, we set her up with a hot spot. Like, we, we, we did good. But now we're going to raise prices. Anytime a company raises prices, I'm intrigued on Wall Street. But back to the Olympics. Great article in the New York Times. I think everyone should read one article a day from the New York Times. There was a great article on Japan and how they're trying to come out of an economic slump from just from having an aging society. It's now coming out of an economic slump tied towards a nuclear meltdown. It's now coming out of an economic slump tied towards pandemic. I'm going to get excited. And as an investor, I'm thinking, is there a play here on Comcast? I'm Rob Black, sitting in for CFP Chad Burton. Find Chad at chadburton.com. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money, weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220, KDOW. You can find Chad at chadburton.com, and I highly recommend his podcast. If you want to get educated on things that are going to be important to you from age 60 to 100, I think that's one of the most important things you should do in your life, is get educated on financial matters for when you don't have a job. I'm quite freaked out about retirement, as if you can't tell. I have enough money that I can retire, but then I go, wait, I'm in my 50s. If I retire now, who's going to pay for my health care? If I retire now and I get bored, people are going to say, why haven't you been working for the last two years? I'm be like, I've been playing Call of Duty. I'm really good. I killed 19 people in a row. And they'll be like, what? We're not hiring you. So I'm very leery about that pre-retirement issue. But Chad, if you listen to his podcast, you will get one nugget of information every show that is relevant to you. And for the cost of free, that's pretty damn good. Elon Musk said people can now buy a Tesla with Bitcoin. It's probably one of the biggest questions CFP Chad Burton and myself get. Should I buy Bitcoin? Is it too late to buy Bitcoin? I want to buy Bitcoin. I want to trade Bitcoin. I want to quit my job and be a Bitcoin trader. I wish I could say the word that rhymes with pit. I wish I could quit my job and trade Bitcoin. Like, what? Um, it's a fad. It's not a fad, but it has fad-like qualities. I'm worried about quitting my job and retiring early. I'm not thinking about quitting my job and becoming a Bitcoin trader. But Elon Musk saying that you can now buy a Tesla with Bitcoin it is a financial transaction. Two to three years ago when we were talking about Bitcoin, we would say things like, who does financial transactions on Bitcoin? And the answer was drug dealers, mafia, and we can't think of anyone else. Because there was no, there was no you know, uh, ledgers. There's no financial statements from companies saying we bought and sold. We did, there was one company, Overstock.com, that was early into Bitcoin acceptance. But then Mark Cuban comes out and legitimizes it a couple weeks ago. And he says, if you want to own Bitcoin, you could own 1% in your portfolio. 
and it'll create a substantial return for you. Or if it goes down, it won't hurt you. I was talking to my producer during the commercial break, and he's like, I'm not doing Bitcoin. It's too crazy for me. And there's one thing all men know is that we like to, we kind of like flirting with crazy, but we don't want to get married to crazy. Same thing with Bitcoin, in my opinion. <laughs> it's okay to flirt with it as long as you don't overcommit to it. And I think I'm speaking to a lot of people with that last statement, but I don't know if you got the veiled reference there. Wasn't that veiled, was it? So Bitcoin becomes a little bit more legitimate when Tesla says, maybe next quarter they'll say, we did five cars with Tesla, and then 10, then 15, then 20, then 40. Down the road, it'll become more legitimate. If I were to own Bitcoin right now, I don't have to. I'm not behind, and I'm not a speculator. Those are the two... I wouldn't make it, I wouldn't, if my my wife says, here's $20, go down to the grocery store and buy dinner. I better not come back with a can of magic beans. I kind of feel like it's a can of magic beans. You plant it, it grows to the clouds. You climb up the cloud, you get this duck, and the duck lays golden eggs. Eh, I'm more of a chicken egg guy myself. But, or is it a golden goose? Golden duck, golden goose, probably a goose, right? See, I don't even know my Jack and the Beanstalk lore. But I'm not against it, but I'm with the concept of if you want to own 1%, that's fine. And then you're done. And now go back to your job. Don't quit your day job. Don't think buying Coinbase is going to be a great idea. Don't think. One thing I am hearing is the wallet is super important if you invest in the currency. You better get a good wallet because that wallet gets hacked. You're going to lose your money. And if there's one thing I've learned in the last 10 years, 20 years, it seems like we've all been hacked numerous times. And it's like Home Depot. Every customer was hacked. I'm like, what? I've been to Home Depot. Better change all my passwords. Anyhow, and that's where me and Chad will diverge our content. He'll go on to a 10-minute rant about password authentication. I've been to Chad Burton's home before, and he has a 28-string password for his Wi-Fi. And it's literally like ampersand nine big m small u none of it makes any sort of sense in it's like a i don't even know what you it's like a monkey hitting a keyboard but let's talk a little bit more about bitcoin as i'm kind of flushing it out for you bitcoin conditions are similar in to the second half or the later stages of a bull market now who said that bitcoin conditions are similar to the second half or the later stages of a bull market Bitcoin may be entering the late stages of its big rally. That according to a crypto analysis at a company called Glassnode, as they're saying nervousness grows in some quarters about a plunge in price. Now, anyone who's who's held Bitcoin for one year, three months, two years, three years, four years, five years, are typically multimillionaires at this point. There's been billions made. But the analyst here says Bitcoin bull markets eventually reach a euphoric top that materializes as big holders increasingly spending their coins to realize profits. Someone bought Jack Dorsey's tweet, his very first tweet as a non-fungible token, an NFT, using some of the profits he's made in Ethereum. 
Jack Dorsey has said, hey, okay, so I just made $1.8 million selling this digital piece of art, the first tweet ever. I'm going to give it to Africa, a charity in Africa that helps with maybe the pandemic, maybe food conditions. You might remember about this two years, maybe a year and a half ago, right before the pandemic hit, Jack Dorsey said, I'm going to go to Africa for a year. And investors freaked out, like, don't you run Twitter and Square? You can't go to Africa for one year. You have to go to the office. But do you see what I'm picking up? Bitcoin's taking it. Jack Dorsey's accepting it. Jack Dorsey's gifting it to a charitable organization. But the euphoric top, when you start seeing people who own Bitcoin trying to figure out what the hell am I going to spend this on? They start realizing some gains and they start selling $1.8 million of Bitcoin to cover the cost of a tweet. Seems pretty silly. When you see Rob, is it Rob Gronkowski? Let's just call him Gronk. I wish he had a different name. I wish it was like Clint Gronkowski. Um, but you're starting to see some sellers, typically for the first time ever, because they now have something they could use that digital currency with. Studies suggest conditions are similar to the second half or later stages of a bull market. The Bitcoin price was down 6% yesterday. Well off its high of 62,000, sitting at 54,000. But it's up 700% from one year ago today. Some of the biggest players, wallets with 1,000 to 10,000 Bitcoins, had cut their holdings by 307,000 Bitcoins since December. So some of the biggest players, accounts at 500,000 or more, are starting to sell off. Buying boats, buying tweets. And for this analyst, he sees that as now who's buying it? Mr. Dumas is buying it. The guy who's late to the party. The guy who wants to talk to pretty ladies and say, I am a Bitcoin millionaire. And she goes, yeah, but you're four foot tall. Tom Cruise to the Tom Cruise on the phone. Tom Cruise on the phone. Um. It's pretty interesting. Bobby Lee, he's a founder of the crypto exchange BTCC. He told CNBC that 2021 would be a bull market for Bitcoin of the sort that comes around every three or four years. He said the Bitcoin price could go as high as 300,000. So one analyst is saying you're in the latter stages. And when that happens, you get speculative. Another analyst is saying, hey, didn't Rob just say it's at around 50,000? If it goes to 300,000, that's a pretty good run. But that same analyst said, the bubble is going to likely pop. So even if it goes to 300,000 this year, he said it, the bubble could pop and it could drop 80 to 90%. Ooh, the stakes just got interesting, right? Are you in? Bitcoin advocates have pointed to growing institutional interests. That's right. Visa, Morgan Stanley, JP Morgan, they're all getting involved. But they all could cut their involvement pretty quickly. But they are getting involved. I know one financial planning firm that tries to be hip to the point of flaw. And they're buying Bitcoin for their customers because the customers want it. But their average account size starts at 50000 EP Wealth starts at 500000 It's a little bit different. 
many Bitcoin advocates point to that institutional, but you got to have a little bit more than that. You got to have a little bit more than Tesla's going to take it on. Tesla stock is now a Bitcoin, essentially. People relate it because Elon Musk invested in Bitcoin and has so far has done pretty well. To the point that he can make more money this year on Bitcoin if he sells today than he could on cars. I just wanted to talk Bitcoin. There's no right answer. There's just compromises. Find Chad at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. We live in pretty crazy times. Is that fair? I think having the ability to have focus is wildly important to the success or failure of financial planning. I think the ability to have time is wildly important. I think the ability to have diversification is kind of lovely. If you can grow wealth and you're diversified when something goes wrong, which it inevitably will, just like if something goes right, every dog has its day and every dog dies. Um, Speaking of dogs, I do love that unconditional love that dogs give, but that's a totally different (laughs) angle. Um, Social security is not a lot of money. I throw that down there just because a lot of people think I don't have to really think about retirement. You might get lucky to get social security of twenty-four, dollars $28,000 a year. That's what the average person gets probably about twenty-two, twenty-three thousand. Although I have not seen recent numbers. I'm going on like three year old numbers. Um, I throw that down there in large part because can you live off that? Most people cannot. It was meant to be a supplement, and we were supposed to be dead by 65. Instead, we're living to 85, and trying to have that supplement last three or four years when you're 60s, it's a lot easier than have it last 20 to 30 years. Because again, in retirement, something's going to go bad. My in-laws had their home burned down. And as retirees, that's expensive. Yes, there was insurance. But when you start buying stuff brand new again, it ain't cheap. Was that the economic undoing of them? No. Could have been? Sure. I throw it down because don't count on Social Security. And with what the government's spending now, in the future, Republicans and Democrats are going to fight. I think that's pretty clear to all of us. And in the future, Democrats are going to say, well, let's tax the wealthy. Okay, well, let's tax the wealthy a little bit more. Um, let's tax people who are worth more than $5 million when they die. Let's, let's raise the estate taxes. Got it, got it. Um, but one of the compromises, the Republicans will say, well, we seem to take better care of ourselves than the Democrats do. Therefore, Let's raise the retirement age. Let's cut what we give people because Republicans, we think we've taken care of ourselves. So the Democrats may win in the short term cycle and not not just this, but whenever. And the Republicans win sometimes. 
I mean, just take a look at the last six years now. You got massive tax cuts from Trump. Now you're getting massive social projects from the Democrats, Joe Biden. That's two, two, those are 180 from each other. I'm stoked when I hear studies tell me that childhood poverty is going to be cut in half because what we're spending right now. I'm stoked. That, that, that's exciting news to me. I, I don't know if there's a better way to do it. I don't know if there's a worse way to do it. I just, I'm excited by that. I try not to get into the nitty gritty of, of, of all this, but what I'm getting into is expect more taxes in the future and expect less social security. There's a price you pay when you help save children from poverty. There's a price you pay when you give people money for not going to work. And down the road, it's going to be fights. And it's going to be very clear in my mind, Republicans versus Democrats. So the algebra of wealth is really, to me, about time, focus, diversification. Don't let Social Security be your only idea for retirement income. Diversify around it. Maybe, and I'm fine with this. I've got a, a glorified tough shed that's acting as my office. It does not have a shower, but it's 20 feet from my home. Maybe if I needed the money, I would put a college student in here and say, hey, if you want to come in and use the kitchen and come in and shower once a day, you're welcome to. But I could price this at $1,000 a month easy. Easy. It's high quality stuff. It's not really a tough shed. It's kind of an in-law unit without the bathroom. And I, I would diversify my retirement ideas to have some income coming from back shed and have some income coming from Social Security. Now, I've taken a step further and maxed out my 401k for the last 30 years. So I've got wealth there. I've taken another step further by having an emergency fund so that when a worst case scenario does hit like a house burning down, like a roof that gets leaky. Go price a roof. Six to $10,000 is a lot of money when you're not earning income. You almost want to get your roof fixed in your 50s so that it can maybe last until you're dead. And it doesn't hurt as much when you're in retirement living on Social Security and maybe a guy in the back shed. You got to think of that idea as diversification is super important to you. Um, I've taken it as far as I've got an Acorns account. And every time I spend money on a credit card or the wife spends money on a credit card, it gets rounded up and gets invested. That's about sixteen, seventeen thousand dollars two years into that. Is that a lot of money? No. That's two roofs, right? But in seven years, that'll be thirty thousand dollars. In fourteen years, that'll be sixty thousand dollars. In 21 years, that's probably when I'll be dead. You can see how it starts to really steamroll because you have time on your hands. That's the important thing of the algebra of wealth. You have to have focus. You got to be brave enough to, to you know, take a leap of faith and believe in capitalism. You got to have time and you got to be diversified because something bad will happen to something. I was asked yesterday, which would I rather be an astronaut or an Olympic athlete? And I was like, an Olympic athlete. I saw the Challenger explode in 1986. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, sitting in for CFP Chad Burton. Find him at chadburton.com.